0: Welcome everyone to another special episode of The Running Elephant. I'm Nigel Sullivan, Buba's Chief Sustainability and People Officer. We're continuing our series of conversations with our MU CEOs. And today, I'm really pleased to be joined by Hisham El Ansari, CEO of our Asia Pacific Market Unit. Hi Hisham, great to have you with us. How are you? Very good, Nigel. Great to be with you. I should have said good day, really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're 17,000 kilometers apart, but through the miracles of technology, we can have this conversation, um, which is great. Just to get maybe a bit of background uh, on yourself, Hisham. I mean, like you, I mean, uh, we've sort of similar backgrounds in the sense that we've worked in a number of other sectors before joining uh, bupa and you joined bupa 14 years ago Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and you've been cfo uh, strategy officer for the business you've run the health services business so you've done a lot of stuff at bupa but can you just give us a bit of your background in terms of uh, your career so far
1: yeah sure nigel i've had the great fortune to work in five different industries over the past 30 years and i started my career in the construction consulting industry and spent a good decade there uh, and it was fascinating watching and being a part of creating physical infrastructure you know in the built environment. I then spent another decade in the aviation sector which was equally fascinating particularly uh, from the technology that's used to keep us all safe. Uh, I must admit the more you know about aviation the more you get apprehensive actually (laughs) about uh, understanding what goes on In getting you from one place to the next Um, so I wasn't scared of flying before but now I know all the things that could go wrong and and I do love to watch that program air crash investigation it's fascinating I then moved from there into a small stint in the retail energy sector um, and another stint in department store retailing before eventually finding my way into Bupa and health and healthcare so I've been very fortunate see lots of different types of organisations in lots of different sectors and one thing I would say is that there's a lot more similarities uh, than you might think in organisations dealing with the same problems, the same issues and largely around getting the right people in the right role and, and creating the right environment for them to be the best version of themselves. Well I absolutely echo that similar background I think this is my fifth industry as
0: well all very different and those transferable skills are useful because you learn you learn different uh, different things in different places I I first met you you may not remember this actually but I I first met you almost 4 years ago um and I, I, I I remember that we had this we had this great sort of uh, you took me out in, in in the streets of Melbourne and up and down on the, that tra- that yeah uh, tram that goes up and down the central uh, the central sort of business district through the retail sector um, to different stores yes. and, and, and and branches etc it was a really great thing and I think I said to you this I was probably the best summary of a of of a business that i didn't know anything about some people would say still don't know anything about <laughs> but um the best description of a business that i think i've ever i've ever had. so thank you for that it got me off to a great start no, it was
1: it was my pleasure
0: but um look the business has expanded obviously in the in the last uh, year to become asia pacific from ANZ. ANZ was al- already you know by revenue our biggest Business, but now with Hong Kong's now now there and some Chinese assets there. Mm-hmm. Look, what have you seen develop as as you brought together Hong Kong with Australia, New Zealand, and APAC forming?
1: Well, I think the great thing as we've picked up uh, accountability for the Hong Kong business is just what a great job they've been doing, largely uh, on their own, uh, trying to um, bring to life Bupa's ambitions in their part of the world, and I think. You know, as we've gotten to know the local management team and the people there, there's a great energy and enthusiasm for embracing the the big brother, if you like, of APAC. And in exchange, we've been able to share and accelerate some of the uh, aspects of investment that we've already brought to life, some of the solutions we've found to address some of the challenges that we've got, and... Being able to share that with the team and therefore accelerate our coming together. So I've been absolutely um, thrilled with the way that they've embraced the new changes and the way they've come along and integrated uh, with their colleagues uh, across the broader Asia Pacific business.
0: Yes, thanks, Hisham. And I know from, you know, conversations with Andrew and Elaine that uh, they've really appreciated, are really appreciating, I should say, being part of that broader team. And just following on from that, I mean, you recently launched APAC's three-year plan, you know, as a synergy or response to the um, to the elephant three-by-six strategy to become a more digitally integrated business. Can you explain a bit more about that plan and, and why why it's so important for the market unit?
1: Yeah, sure, Nigel. I mean, fundamentally, um, Inyaki's driven the elephant three by six and created some unifying ambitions across the whole organization around focusing on customer touch points and digitally engaging with our customers along with really being focused on creating an uplift and a revolution in the way we interact with customers. I think what that's done is create a really helpful and clear strategic framework for us at this market unit to think about how we bring that to life in the context of the challenges that we're seeing uh, within the local markets that we operate in. And as I kind of reflect more broadly on where the world is going, we kind of see some big mega trends uh, in the healthcare sector. One of those is around consumer empowerment. Consumers, we as health consumers, want to play a bigger role in managing our own health and care. And that is being enabled by the digitization that we're seeing around us, the increase in biometric devices that are helping us monitor the state of our bodies and the state of our health and well-being. And fundamentally, depending on where you are, m- most health systems are not as well integrated as they could be. And as we live longer with more and more chronic disease for longer periods of time, what we see is consumers craving for driving that empowerment using digital enablement, our phones and other digital devices and helping uh, connect the dots in the way that they access and use healthcare, because often you're using multiple parts of the system. And so I think it's created an imperative for us as an organization who's been involved in health and care for nearly 75 years to actually be that trusted organization that can help bring those elements that satisfy the customer need. And digitization is a key enablement of that in two fronts. It takes the friction out of how customers want to engage with us and how they engage with the broader health system. But it also enables us internally to improve the way we work, to accelerate the processing and the administration of, you know, millions of claims and connections and communications that we have with customers every day. So, you know, pursuing the digitization of our business has the dual benefit of helping us be more efficient, but importantly, helping us make it easier for customers to connect with us. And that, of course, is underpinned by the desire to leverage the vast amount of data that we have across the organization to the benefit of consumers in support of their empowerment. So I think it's a really exciting time for us as an organization to leverage not only the trust that customers have placed in us, but also the modern innovations that are gonna enable us to play a greater role in servicing our customers' needs. Thanks, Hisham. Uh, I think you know uh, our listeners.
0: You know I've heard this as a common theme. We don't rehearse these things, you know. as you as you know, and 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 this focus on the customer uh, and digital enablement is just a it's, it's a theme that uh, permeates through everything. I think that we're we're doing, and it's it's very exciting. Um, I mean, delivering that customer experience also, like on the outside, you know, has a. As implications on the inside and, and I know you've had a big focus on the culture in the organization and, and cultural change can you can you say a few words about like what that looks like what that's meant
1: absolutely I mean I'm very passionate about culture in fact it's what attracted me to Bupa in the first place and I think you know the way I see things is that if you can create the right environment for people to be the best version of themselves then that will support exceptional customer experiences and in turn that will mean you're driving a growing and sustainable business and i think the first touch point for me is getting the right people in the right roles and ensuring we create together the conditions for an environment that is going to enable them to be the best version of themselves and i'm very very passionate about that i was passionate about it from day one in this role and when you know, it's time for me to hang up my boots, I hope that we could look back as a legacy and say that there has been an improvement in where we started and and where we end up. And it's an ongoing challenge. Um, One of the first things as I reflected on my time in the organisation, there's a lot of great things about Bupa and of course central to our culture, our DNA is the care, the care that we have for one another the care that we have for our customers and residents and patients. And it's something that universally um, you see when you go into a booper office. And I've had the good fortune of going to a number of booper places around the world. And that is absolutely the common takeout that you see. It is truly embedded in our DNA. On one of our value sessions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's so appropriate that it is because it it is intertwined and I think like me, it's what attracted me to Bupa, is the culture. And what keeps me here is the purpose, the genuine purpose of helping people live longer, healthier, happier lives, and the evolution of that to add our focus on making a better world. And this goes right back. It's not a tagline. It's part of our DNA. It's part of our articles of association that, that established Bupa in 1947. And I think it continues to live on. But in addition to that, we also, as I stood back and looked at my time in Bupa and looked at the areas that we could be better at, I think there was a bit of a tendency for us to be slow, to want to engage everybody, and through that process have meeting after meeting and discussion after discussion. And so I I think some of the elements of those things were where I turned my attention in in, in the beginning. And as I reflected on that, I came up with four cultural imperatives that I wanted us to dial up here in Asia Pac, And the first one was being clear about our individual accountabilities. Um, I observed lots of meetings and lots of desire to get everybody aligned in meetings and this notion that, you know, we'll get approval from this committee or that committee. And the reality is that no committee actually has any decision-making authority. It's individuals that have that authority. And my logic was we should be clear when we're sitting around a meeting who's actually got the decision rights. And their obligation is to open up the discussion, hear input, but ultimately to then make a decision and being clear that they are accountable for that decision, right or wrong. So clarity of accountability was the first uh, principle Uh, and cultural imperative that i focused on the second one was focus we have a tendency to want to do a lot of things at the same time and my observation was that led to incremental improvement and the hypothesis was if we could compress by prioritizing and focusing in on the things that make a real difference to our customers and to our people that we could make progress much faster the third imperative was around genuine collaboration I mean you've been around Nigel a long time you've seen lots of surveys on uh, on people pulse and and culture surveys and and often people will say my team collaborates really well the problem is over there and so I sort of thought to myself how do we get everybody in the organization thinking that they are part of the totality of that organization and that we either all succeed or all fail together and so this notion of genuine collaboration across the organization was the third element of um, cultural attribute and if you're clear about your individual accountabilities if you've got a focused prioritized agenda and you are collaborating as one the hypothesis was you would then be able to do the fourth cultural imperative, which is to be able to move at pace to make decisions and to get outcomes. And and ultimately, those four elements have helped define the culture change that we've been embarking on in the last few years. And as we embrace those elements, we are seeing progress being made. Um, Objectively, we've been doing a lot of work with outside party called Walking the Talk. And they did a survey in 2019 and they did one just recently in 2021. And pleasingly, we were able to see improvement across all the metrics and all the parameters. We're still not where we need to be, but I think we're making genuine progress. And it's uh, it's been really satisfying to see the evolution take place. Thanks, Hisham.
0: Uh, accountability, focus, collaboration, outcomes. Um, and I think, um, you know, for, for other data points like the Pulse Survey, you know, in, in Asia Pacific, we've seen, you know, uh, really pleased, I know you're very pleased about rise in, in engagement and participation. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things on collaboration, we kind of beat ourselves up a little bit about this at Bupa. Um, certainly the management team do a little bit because it, it tends to score a little bit low in relative terms to the other questions that we ask. But in benchmark ter- terms, we're actually higher mm-hmm. than the benchmark for collaboration, which is great. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move from purpose to purchase. <laughs> so I can't. I can't resist a conversation about sustainability. So, um, so you you know I'm gonna ask you about this. But um, look, uh, the effects of climate change are are, are huge in the region. Um, you know the the bushfires from several years ago. Uh, I, I noticed that in the last, you know, very recently, you know. Well, they're not koala, they're not bears, but they're actually marsupials. But um, koalas are, are, are now moved from you know the uh, vulnerable list to the endangered list, in, in, in major parts of Australia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that you know, the, the, it's clearly an issue. It's clearly an issue, and I think one of the things I remember you and I having a conversation because I know how committed you and the team are to this topic. Um, I remember we had a conversation about like renewable energy, uh, uh, probably about a year ago, and I remember you saying like Nigel, I, I mean you know, it's $5,000 for a ton of coal here. Western Australia is still a big mining. You know, I'll see what we can do. And and look what you've done, you know. So maybe you recently announced, you know, the power purchase (laughs) agreement, you know, and and we're purchasing pretty much 100% of of renewable energy across the Australian locations. Can can you say a little bit about that? Because, I mean, I I know how, how, how pleased that you... You know, sure. Nick, Roger, the rest of the team are, are, are about what's happened.
1: Absolutely. And look, I know this is something that you're very passionate about. and We've had lots of late night discussions on this topic. Um, Australia is a large country and as a large country is susceptible to a lot of the influences of changing weather patterns. And at any one point in time, you can have snow and flooding in one part and fire and drought in another part. So it's it's an issue that is particularly pertinent to everyone, but particularly so for people in this country. And it's absolutely right that we face into that, notwithstanding that at a country level, we still have a relatively high dependence on fossil fuels to power our baseload power generation. And so it was really pleasing that the team uh, have worked hard to enter into a new power purchasing agreement for the next five years, which is 100% based on renewable energy. Um, I'm told that we'll save 25,000 tonnes of CO2 emissions from the atmosphere each year, based on the predicted volumes of power usage that we expect over the next few years. And that's equivalent to taking five and a half thousand cars off the road each year. So it's material and it's significant. And I think we can't stop there. Uh, We have a higher target um, in support of Bupa's ambition of reducing our emissions by 40% by 2025. Our target here in APAC is 69%. And I'm feeling really comfortable that uh, we'll be able to achieve that, not only with the support of this agreement that we've entered into, but also the activities that we undertake on a local level, you know, every one of our care homes, as air conditioning systems come up for replacement, you know, there's an opportunity to replace them and put solar power in and put more efficient equipment in. And and we're taking each of those opportunities as incremental additions to that overarching agreement. So I'm really pleased with the um, progress that we've made so far but I'm even more pleased at the reaction that we've got from our people and the broader marketplace. Um, There's just been huge support and appreciation from our Bupa people here in Australia and across the Asia Pacific to say thank you for Bupa acknowledging the importance of sustainability. Thank you for taking real and meaningful actions and not waiting for governments to define the boundaries, but actually taking the initiative as a large corporation that takes this seriously. And that's been, it's been so positively reinforcing of the action that we've taken already that it's encouraging us to take
0: even more. Thank you, I, I acknowledge we're not done yet, but it's a major contribution, uh, not 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 only for the region, but also for Bupa for as a whole. Um, I think we're probably getting close to time, but just going back to the, the Asia pack as a, as a, as a region and, and, and as a market unit, what do you see, you know, the biggest challenges and opportunities for the next couple of years?
1: Well, there are, there are lots of challenges and opportunities and I think going back to what I said earlier about the mega trends that we're seeing in the healthcare sector, the empowerment of the consumer, the need to enable them in a digital way and to help them uh, connect the disparate parts of the health system, I think they create significant opportunities when we think about what role Bupa can play in helping satisfy those needs. But more specifically, we've developed some capabilities around contracting with government. Uh, We now deliver a number of significant healthcare uh, requirements on behalf of the federal government. For example, we do all medical assessments for people coming into Australia, migrants and visa holders, uh, go through a Bupa clinic and we do the assessment on behalf of the government we also now look after all of the healthcare needs of the Australian Defence Forces. So being able to continue that trajectory and continue to build on the capability we've established is a clear opportunity for us as we look forward. The other opportunity, of course, now that we have an Asia-Pacific market unit, uh, we've got a great set of businesses in Hong Kong, but there's a lot of other countries in the Asia-Pacific region, and I'm looking forward to working with the team to unpicking where there might be opportunities for us to enter new markets and explore um, capabilities and partnerships with others in those markets that will help fuel further growth uh, of Bupa in this region. And finally, I mean, there's nothing like looking close to home. We've got a big presence in the Australian market. We know the market, we know the stakeholders and the regulators, and I think I wouldn't discount the possibility of being able to expand into adjacent healthcare delivery options uh, in in the local market as well. So we've we've got a number of areas of potential growth and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, At the end of the day, being able to get the right people, align them to that ambition is going to be a really important aspect of fueling uh, and being able to satisfy that growth ambition. Thank you, Hisham. Uh, Very exciting times.
0: I think we're probably at time as well. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time
1: to talk to us. My pleasure, Nigel. I always enjoy talking to you and I look forward to being able to talk to you in person over a drink sometime soon.
0: Exactly, well, we're planning that for a a month or two's time. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And as usual, if you want to get in touch, if you have any questions or comments, please drop us a line at at runningelephant.bupa.com. Thank you very much.